0: Hello and welcome once again to Let's Talk Catholic. This week we have a very special episode featuring the profession of a sister of the Order of Discalced Carmelites in Traverse City. This profession takes place within the context of the extraordinary form of the Mass, and so we have decided to include this Mass as part of our presentation. We hope you find it spiritually beneficial.
1: per te adalante, promissimus impliamus, in nostre professionis executores a pecti, a Dei equi preto valantis in te, promitta dei di tantus es, a per dominum nostrum iesum Christum filium tuum, we take on vivid and prayed Sanctis Aius, secular seculovo.
2: Let's Become soon living in the superbe, et superb, uh, justicia. And your rest and fructus, meo salvo, uh, la di de precioso. And geminium, mea gentle electo. In this, justiciae amber, in medio, serbientalum, your duchi. O ditem diligentis me, et hea solum seolum neplea. Beatus somo criatens me, et vivirica, at fones as fortidiae, et au at poses posti en ergi, qui me engrenet, it's like a
3: Vienna in regia di
4: in the morning early watch for me, shall find me, with me are riches and glory, glorious riches and justice, for my fruit is better than gold, and the precious stone, and my
5: blossoms
4: and ever choice silver. I walk in the way of justice, in the midst of the path of judgment, that I may enrich them that love me, and may fill their treasures. Blessed is the man that heareth me, and that watcheth daily at my gates, and waiteth at the posts of my doors. He that shall find me shall find life and shall have salvation from the Lord. We stand for the words of the Holy Gospel. At that time there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore had seen his mother and the disciple standing whom he loved. He saith to his mother, Woman, behold thy son. After that he saith to the disciple, Behold thy mother, and from that hour the disciple took her to his home. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Lady of my car, hear my words, give me wisdom, touch my heart. A couple of announcements before we uh, we start. So, it's not down here, but I'll say some thank yous on behalf of the community. Thank you to his lordship coming. I get to call you that because I'm British. <laughs> so, that's how I, I said that once to Bishop Baker. I can't call you, Your Excellency, that's an ambassador. You're a Lord. To me, amen. All right, I'll well, let you do it. <laughs> then we'll do it quietly. So, thank you very much on behalf of the community to, to come uh, to be here with us, Your Lordship. Thank you to those who are here. So, thank you very much to, on behalf of the community to Father Libby. So far, so good, as the man falling down the building said. So, thank you, Father, for that, and for the the service, and for yourselves coming as well. Um, The reception afterwards, if we survive it, is in the loggia, and you'll get to meet Sister for... ten minutes? After After Mass? No. We get to meet Sister for ten. We get to meet Sister for ten minutes. No, No. You don't. No, they they can meet with Sister... No, 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 no. So The boss is telling me that we, we, yes, okay, thank you, thank you very much doing that. I um, I know that the sisters are used to me preaching, and uh, some of you are <laughs> used to me preaching, so you'll all be terrified that I have notes in front of me. I'm thinking, what is he going to do? He's got notes. And I'm actually going to read something to you, so um. Father Jarvis and I both had the same, and Father Kevin, we all had the same professor for homiletics, the science of giving homilies. I know to many people that would be a surprise, but suppose it's science to giving homilies. Um, Father Jarvis thought that uh, the Dominican that we had was fantastic. I, I thought he was dreadful, so um, and he didn't like the way I preached. But one of the things he did say was to people. He had the makings of three or four good homilies there. It's a pity he didn't just give us one. So, I'm actually going to try and combine two things. But they are combined two together. So, I'm going to read you a part from this document, which uh, is from 2007. It's from the Congregation for Clergy. And it's about Eucharistic adoration for the sanctification of priests and spiritual maternity. But before I do that, there are many people. We've certainly all heard them. Those of us who are old enough to have lived in the 70s and 80s, have certainly heard them. What a waste of a life. What a waste of a life. A waste of their life. What she should be doing is having babies, getting married, being a grandmother, do something useful for society. And God said in the book of Genesis, Go forth and multiply. She's deliberately a obstinate against God. As are we who are about, um, celibates. Go forth and multiply doesn't always mean that you have to have corporeal children. Now go forth and multiply. We are all called to produce children in the spiritual way. If God doesn't grant people the grace to have a child it doesn't mean they're meant to be in a monastery. And one of the things that when you enter religious life as sisters know and many of you know what I did it is not because you don't want to have a family. Otherwise what's the sacrifice? There is a desire in your heart as there is a desire in sister's heart to have children. To have what the world would say is the perfect thing. And those of you who are married know it is, very, is usually a very rocky road. And equally, she's not living a life of avoidance. But what does it look like to produce spiritual children? And this is what I'm going to read down to you. I read this document. I hadn't long come back to the church. And I read this document. It was sitting on one of my big brothers, if you know my brother's priests, it was sitting on his desk and I read it, and this part, sisters have heard me mention this story before, but have not heard it in its fullness. And I wouldn't normally read to people, but this to me encapsulates why this is most certainly not a waste of a life. In 1869, a German diocesan bishop was sitting together with his guest, Bishop Kepler from Mainz. During the course of their conversation, the Diocesan Bishop brought up his guests extremely blessed apostolate. Bishop Kettler was the co-author of Rerum of Adam, and he was very, very instructive in how the church should engage in the world and begin to change the things that needed to be changed. Bishop Kettler explained to his host, I owe thanks for everything that I have accomplished with God's help for the prayer and sacrifice of someone I don't even know. I can only say that I know someone has offered his or her whole life, to our loving God for me. And I have this sacrifice to thank that I even became a priest. He continued, Originally, I wasn't planning on becoming a priest. I had already finished my law degree and thought about finding my important place in the world to begin acquiring honour, prestige and wealth. An extraordinary experience held me back and directed my life down a different path. One evening I was alone in my room, Considering my future plans of fame and fortune, when something happened that I cannot explain, was I awake or asleep? Did I really see it or was it just a dream? One thing I do know is it brought about a change in my life. I saw Jesus very clearly and distinctly standing over me in a radiant cloud, showing me his sacred heart. And none was kneeling before him. Hands raised in prayer, from his mouth I heard the words: "She prays unremittingly for you." I saw distinctly the appearance of the sister, and her traits made such an impression on me that she has remained in my memory to this day. She seemed to be quite a ordinary lay sister. Her clothing was very poor and rough. Her hands were red and calloused from hard work. Whatever it was—a dream or not—it was extraordinary shook me to the depth of my very being. So that from that moment on, I decided to consecrate myself to God in the service of his priesthood. I withdrew to a monastery for a retreat and talked about everything with my confessor. Then, at the age of 30, I began studying theology. You know the rest of the story. So if you think I have done something admirable, now you know who really deserves the credit. A religious sister who prayed for me Maybe without even knowing who I was. I am convinced I was prayed for, and I will continue to be prayed for in secret, and that without these prayers I could never have reached the goal that God has destined for me. Do you have any idea of the whereabouts or identity of who it was that was praying for you? His guest asked. No, I can only ask God each day, and while she is still on earth, he bless and repay her a thousandfold for what she has done for me. The next day, Bishop Kepler visited a convent of, of sisters in a nearby city and celebrated high mass for them in their chapel. He was distributing holy communion to the last row of sisters when one of them suddenly caught his eye. His face grew pale, and he stood there motionless. Finally, regaining his composure, he gave holy communion to the sister who was kneeling in recollection, unaware of his hesitation. He then concluded the liturgy. The bishop who had invited him the previous day came and joined him at the convent for breakfast. When they had finished, Bishop Kettler asked the Mother Superior to present to him all the sisters in the house. Before long she had gathered all the sisters together and both bishops went to meet them. Bishop Kettler greeted them, but it was apparent that he did not find the one he was looking for. He quietly asked the Mother Superior, Are all the sisters really here? She looked over the group of sisters and said, Good Excellency, I have called them all, but in fact, one of them is not here. Why didn't she come? She works in the barn, answered the superior, and in such a commendable way that in her enthusiasm she sometimes forgets other important things. <laughs> I would like to see that sister, requested the bishop. A little while later, the sister who had been summoned stepped into the room. Again, Bishop Kedler turned pale, and after a few words all the sisters, He asked if he could be alone with the sister who had just come in. Do you know me? He asked her. I have never seen your lordship before. Have you ever prayed for me or offered up any good deed for me? He wanted to know. I do not recall that I have ever heard of your lordship. The bishop was silent for a few moments and then he asked, Do you have a particular devotion that you like? The devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus was the response. You have, it seems, a most difficult task and jobs in the convent, he continued. Oh no, your excellency, the sister countered, but I cannot lie, sometimes it's unpleasant for me. And what do you do when you have such temptations against your work? For things that cost me greatly, I grew accustomed to facing them with joy and enthusiasm out of love for God. And then I offer them up for one soul on earth, to whom God chooses to be gracious as a result. I've left completely to him, and I don't want to know. I also offer up my time of Eucharistic adoration every evening from eight till nine for this intention. Where did you get this idea to offer up all your merits to someone totally unknown to you? The bishop asked. I learned it while I was still in school, out in the world, she replied. At school, our teacher, the parish priest taught us how that we can pray and offer our merits for our relatives. Besides that, he said, that we should pray much for those who are in danger of being lost. If it's only God knows who really needs prayers, it's best to put your merits at the disposition of the sacred heart of Jesus, trusting in his wisdom and omnipotence. That's why I have done, and I always believe that God will find the right soul. Mm-hmm. How old are you? Kepler asked. Thirty-three your lordship, she answered. The bishop paused a moment and then he asked her, When were you born? The sister stated her date of birth. The bishop gasped. Her birthday was the day of his conversion. Back then, he saw her exactly as she was before him now. But have you any idea whether your prayers and sacrifices have been successful? He asked her further. No, your lordship, absolutely not, she said with a smile. Don't you want to know? Oh dear, no, God knows, that's all I need to know. When something good happens, that's enough, was the simple answer. The bishop was shaken. So continue this work in the name of the Lord, he said. The sister knelt down immediately at his feet and asked for his blessing. The bishop solemnly raised his hands and said with great emotion, with the power entrusted to me as a bishop, bless your soul. I bless your hands and their work. I bless your prayers and your sacrifices your self renunciation and your obedience. I bless especially your final power. I ask God to ask you this. I ask God to assist you with all his consolation. Amen, the sister quietly replied and stood up and left. The bishop, profoundly moved, stepped over to the window in order to compose himself. Sometime later he said goodbye to the Mother Superior and returned to the apartment of his bishop friend. He confided to him, now I have found the one I have to thank for my vocation. It is the lowly and poorest sister of that convent. I cannot thank God enough for his mercy because this sister has prayed for me for almost 20 years. On the day she first saw the light of the world, God worked my conversion, accepting in advance her future prayers and works. What a lesson and a reminder for me. When I become tempted to vanity by a certain amount of success or by my good works, then I can affirm in truth you have the prayer and sacrifice of a poor maid in a convent stall to thank. And when a small and task appears of little value to me, then I will also remember the fact that this maid does in humble obedience to God, making a sacrifice to overcome herself, it is so valuable for the Lord our God, that her merits have giving rise to a bishop of the church. And of course, that's a true story a wasted life. When you give your life to pray for others. There's no wasted life unless people don't do that. A wasted life is when God gives you suffering whatever it is, small or large and you don't offer it. That's a wasted life. It's not an easy life either to enter Um, but there is joy One of the things, uh, from my own perspective, Mother and some of the community here knew who I was before I ever came here because I was in France and uh, benefactors of the Carmel, the Wents, whose name is on the board at the back, asked, they were having problems, you remember Mother, they were having problems with the bell tower and they they baptized the bell tower, Lawler Tower, because it was so problematic. and and Bill asked mother if the community could pray for a man who was about to be ordained in France and what he didn't know and of course the community didn't know was I had already decided that I wouldn't be a good enough priest to be in France because I would never speak the language well enough to be able to counsel them properly and I had decided that was it I tried and I was going to go back to the UK and go on with rebuilding my nursing career, probably, and I got a phone call from Archbishop, then Bishop Hebda, who said to me, "Would I like to come back to America?" And he, I said, "Where?" And he said, "Well, I've got diocese, the diocese of Gaylord." And I thought it was a joke. How hey, could there be a place called Gaylord? <laughs> So I said yes, I travelled here, I arrived at Bellendalia's house down in Michigan, we drove up here. The first place we visited was here. The first person I met in Michigan was Mother. We then went for dinner with Father Louis, Father Gaiman and um, Bishop Hebda, and Bishop Hebda took me aside. I've never told Father Louis this, Bishop Hepta took, although Bishop Hebda might have told him, Bishop Hebda took me aside and he said, You two will either become really good friends or you'll beat each other up. (laughs) Either way, it's going to be entertaining. (laughs) I am gracious to have him as a friend, but there probably are times when we'll be close to beating each other up. But Bishop Hedder said to me, he will help you, and he has, and he still does. So my first Mass was in my own parish, My parish given to me and proven my second Mass was in the satellite that was common. My third Mass was in Holy Rosary on the right fitting. Then My fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth Masses were here. Because if it wasn't for the prayers of the sisters here, I wouldn't be a priest. They are to blame. <laughs> they are to blame. <laughs> and I will never be able to thank and what a grace I had that uh, the bishop allowed me for a short time to be the the chaplain here and what a joy that uh, that was so sister take a rose can you get a copy of the rule the The rule of St Albert who didn't want to write it was pestered by the monks on Mount Carmel because they were so busy beckoning. Priest priests don't do that I do. and he decided that he would write a rule and he prayed long and hard on what the rule would be and there are three, as you know three very strong tenets of your rule there is silence solitude And a spirit of prayer. In fact, the the brother Lawrence of the resurrection calls it an an alliance, allegiance, an allegiance to the heart of God that you are called to rest yourself in. The silence is a silence not just of lack of noise, it's a silence and a contentment of heart. Because happiness is speaking, but contentment Mm -hmm. is what you're called to. and there are two symbols in your life that is here in his presence and of course your cell your cell is the place that helps to ground you and your cell is the place where you listen to the silence and you begin to understand what god has told you to it's not escape from the world it's in battling things that we need to battle in the world. The distractions of the world. You still get distractions in the karma. When you're in religious life you end up, as I've said to sisters before, you end up living in a community with strangers and sometimes they're very strange. I know, because I was one of them. It's amazing the things that can then irritate you, the way somebody eats. The fact that you've got to ask them twice to get the salt way that they make a little squeaking noise when they sing. All these things. And you're called to let them all go. To in that silence and solitude find the spirit of prayer. St. Therese of the Child Jesus saying this about the Living usually has a great saying. this applies to all of you. You have to live your rule whole salvation of the world depended on you living the rule. And the graces that God will give you for living that rule and the graces that will help you become a saint. And it's not always in your cell or in the cynical view. For the of, the of the resurrection who was appointed like me, in just like he was appointed as a cook. he has a prayer. Some of you may have heard
0: my Lord of the pots and
4: pans, who can turn my dreadful cooking into something worth eating, let me never not see you in all the tasks that I have to do for my purpose. Alone, together, is the path you will follow, I pray to God, successfully. that the rule be written on unseen be an example to the world what it is to be a mother who loves of all our hearts and imitations of our Lord on the cross. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
6: My dear sister, in baptism you have already been consecrated to God's service are you resolved to unite yourself more closely to him by the new bond of religious profession as a house nun in the order of the Blessed Virgin Mary of Mount Carmel? Amen. In your desire to follow Christ perfectly, are you resolved to live in chastity for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, to choose a life of poverty, and to offer the sacrifice of obedience? Are you resolved to live for God alone in solitude and continual prayer for Christ's mystical body, the universal church? May God who has initiated you himself perfect perfect you through Christ our Lord.
0: As the recording makes it difficult to hear Sister's Profession, I read it here. I, sister, make my profession, and I promise obedience, chastity, and poverty, to God our Lord, to the most blessed Virgin Mary of Mount Carmel, and to you, Reverend Mother Prioress, and to your successors, according to the primitive rule of the Order of Discalced Carmelites and our Constitutions, for three years. After this, the Prioress presents the newly professed with a crucifix, places a crown of white flowers on her head, and sprinkles her with holy water in the form of a cross. The newly professed then returns to the grill.
6: Give to God a sacrifice of praise and render to the Almighty your vows. The Lord be with you. <laughs> Eternal God and Almighty Father, you realize the weakness of human frailty. Look down, we beseech you, upon this, your handmaid and your sister, and may you deign to strengthen her infirmity with the great abundance of your blessing, so that by the vows which she has taken and which you have inspired her to offer, through the help of your grace, she may be able to observe them vigilantly Living them holily, piously, and religiously. And by observing them, she would be able to merit eternal life through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Receive the rule and constitutions of your order, and following the example of the Blessed Virgin Mary, show in your whole life what you have faithfully learned, namely, to be a true daughter of Carmel and the Church by St. Teresa. Amen. Let us pray. May the Lord Jesus Christ, Father of mercy and consolation of sinners, who does not will the death of the sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, who does not call the just but sinners to penance, himself inspire in you, by his ineffable mercy and accustomed piety, true and continual contrition of heart and holy penance, so that you would be able worthily to wear the habit of holy profession and fulfill the holy promise of the order and persevere in his holy service and with his elect to reach happily the holy joys of eternity, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. And lead us not into temptation, but us evil. O Lord, hear my prayer, and my Give command to your power, O God. Confirm, O God, this that you have brought us. Save your handmaid, O Lord, you, my God. Be to her, O Lord, a tower of strength. From the face of the enemy. Let not the enemy prevail against her. Son, no. be with her. Pray for her, O holy Mother of God, that she may be worthy of the promises of Christ. The Lord be with you. And with your Let us pray. O God, who has taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit grant that by the gift of the same Spirit she may be always truly wise and ever rejoice in His consolation. Protect, O Lord, your servant by the help of your peace, and as she trusts in the patronage of the Blessed Mary ever-Virgin, keep her safe from all her enemies. O God, all-merciful, O God, all-clement, to whom all good things are pleasing, Without whom no good thing can be commenced, and without whom no good thing can be finished, graciously turn the ears of your pity to our most humble prayers, and defend your handmaiden, whom in your name we have clothed with the habit of our most sacred religion, from all worldly vanities, from all impediments of this age, and from all fleshly desires. Grant to her that she may be able to persevere to the end in her most holy resolution, and that having received the remission of all her sins, she may merit to be received into the company of the elect. O God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but through penance seeks the amendment of his life, we supplicantly pray that you would pour down the great richness of your pitying grace upon this your handmaiden, who has now renounced the desires of this world, inasmuch as, enrolling herself amid the valiant hosts of your army, so fighting for you, may she run her course through the trials of this life, and under your favoring mercies at last receive your rich reward. And as she has desired, under the inspiration of God, to be joined to our lot, we give unto her as much as in us lies that we can promise, relying upon you, our common society, so that at last she may be enabled to receive your promised bounties to the elect, the crown of your saints, through Christ our Lord.
0: Thanks for joining us today. You can listen again to this or any other episode of Let's Talk Catholic at our blog, letstalkcatholicpodcast.blogspot.com, or you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or almost any other podcast provider. You can also like us on Facebook. Let's Talk Catholic is produced by Nick Medelsky and can be heard right here on Relevant Radio in Northern Michigan, Saturdays at noon.